Welcome, ladies and gents. I'm Lana. We are streaming live from Idaho, and I do have entropy open, so feel free to send a chat. It does help take care of my super cool babysitter, by the way. (laughs) Joining me is actor, speaker, comedian, streamer, former liberal, and friend, Benny. Welcome back. Uh, Happy to be back. It's cool to finally catch up like this again after so many years oh my gosh oh yeah oh yeah and we're going to get into that uh, of idaho and how things have intersected but i know you co-hosted uh flashback friday recently with henrik which was really cool you came back in the you came into the studio and stuff but i had you on last i went through the archives in 2013 can you believe that nine years ago my oh my how things have changed huh i yeah that's mind-blowing that was right at the beginning of um i guess my my journey as a public presenter, that was the first year of Joy Camp is when we we talked. And man, so much <laughs> has happened in the last nine years. It's overwhelming, really. Yeah, for several years, you and Kevin, who's there next to you and other friends, you guys produce these well-made skits on you know various dark conspiracies under the name Joy Camp. Some of you guys might remember. Comedy awareness was a term I think you were using. And nine yeah. years ago, we talked about how tyrant elites, uh, are, they fear creativity and comedy if they can't use it for their manipulation and control. Fast forward to <laughs> a few years later, and they're banning comedians, musicians, content creators, uh, like us, we've been banned and censored. It's crazy isn't it just in that short period yeah it all just keeps unfolding exactly the way we predict we're all <laughs> prophets it's all we see it coming we point at it and then it happens and then we're still called crazy for predicting the future oh yeah now i know that you have cut well what did they say a prophet has never loved in his own town i think a prophet has never loved in his own country at this point yep. but um yep. you know conspiracy just means people conspiring to do something people do it every day i know you've covered all the big ones now looking back after that mm-hmm. period of your life and in, in, in terms of all of the great conspiracies today what do you think is the the biggest most important one nowadays that stands out the biggest most important conspiracy <laughs> yeah i know people talk about like the moon landing oh, or jfk oh, it's really all over the place but good question i think um I think I'm going to give a kind of a general answer. I think that everything that we're taught that's happened at any point in history needs to be questioned. And it's maybe that maybe that is the too a bit too broad, but I've I've got a point now where it's the conspiracy is so big. Everything I've ever learned from another person or some, you know, ethereal authoritative figure, I've come to question. So I think the biggest conspiracy of all is that everything needs to be questioned. Everything is subject to uh, more perspective. Absolutely. Good answer. Absolutely. You have to question everything, question all authority, question everything we've been told. And even that, is, it makes you an extremist nowadays if you just simply question basic well, things. Yeah, now, how would you I say know. you've changed the most since 2013? I was thinking about it. And for me, I, I've grown, I've been forced to grow a, a thick skin and a strong stomach after all I've seen and all the attacks that we've endured. But how would you say that you've changed more mm-hmm. in the last nine years? Yeah, well... Just looking at that Joy Camp page, we uh, we've had a lot of videos that they try to take down in the past year. I've been successful at getting them all back, which is kind of cool. I don't think that's happens too often, but I, I always write back and say parody. This is parody. This is just a parody. It's a commentary, and every single time YouTube writes me back and apologizes and say they got it wrong, which has been really interesting to observe. So. 
Wow. Only time we got a video taken down is for copyright stuff, but they've been trying to take video. I mean, once every couple months, they'll try to take a video down and I'll appeal it. And so far, 100% success, which is an interesting thing to uh, acknowledge. Wow, that's amazing. Uh, that can't be said for us. <laughs> no. When yeah, well, up I mean, and most of my colleagues now are off of YouTube. Yeah. And I mean, we've certainly had some videos that have been taken down and never come back, but they yeah, have, I think they respond to my uh, appeals, which is fascinating. It makes me wonder if anyone's actually watching or <laughs> is some sort of AI algorithm bot situation. I don't know. <laughs> so there's a lot I want to dive into, but first I want to get into Idaho. How how we both ended up in northern Idaho, which is hilarious. And I didn't know you were here. Uh, you didn't know that we were here. Uh, no. But you were meeting up with a mutual friend, Rebecca, actually your wife, who I'm friends with, your beautiful wife, was hanging yeah. out with Rebecca. And then we came up and it was like, oh, uh, Henrik and Lana also <laughs> live in Idaho now. So how did you come to move here? I know. It's... It's been surreal. So many people. It's like it's like a who's who of YouTube cast-offs up here. <laughs> but it's great. I mean, we've all been drawn to the same place for, I think, very similar reasons. I mean, Sonia and I, we left California in 2018. We didn't know we would end up in North Idaho, but we knew we wanted to end up someplace better than Los Angeles. And we just trusted the signs that we were getting. So we somehow made it up here we bought a property a year ago we've been building on it ever since and yeah it's it's strange and cool that so many people that i know from the internet uh are here as well and you can hang out and meet up now you grew yeah. up in, in los angeles right you're born in in california we're going to get into that later you're you're acting and leaving and stuff but how is it being living somewhere that's more freedom focused definitely more conservative if you know what i mean uh, versus california what does it feel like for you to be around that kind of energy i feel like i'm in a pocket reality i feel like we are less uh influenced by some of the nonsense up here and it's it's interesting. I mean, uh, we left California before it was cool. I mean, I moved in Idaho before it really became like, I mean, we bought a property but a little over a year ago, but then the real estate market really increased last year. Uh, it's fantastic, first of all, to be out of California. I saw all of this coming. I didn't know it was going to be a virus that was going to be the catalyst for you know the, the new nonsense, but I could definitely see that there was that LA wasn't the place for me and that being in the city wasn't a good thing. So being up here is really calming. It's because it, what's happening in the last couple of years is like a, it's, it presents like an existential sort of dread. No matter where you are, you still kind of are affected by what's going on. And living remotely, living rurally makes it less... Uh, I don't know, depressing. Yeah. So it's we're 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 so happy that we landed here. And we're so happy that we landed here before 2020. Um and all everything that's happened since. So yeah, it's it's a I'm blown away still. I'm really blown away still that this is where I live. Yeah, it's surreal. Happened, but 
very I, relieved. I felt like time. when we came to, it was kind of a reset period. Like you needed to just kind of get grounded again. If you're coming from a, a super lefty cesspit or in our case, you know, being doxxed and harassed by people in the town and journalists showing up and stuff. There's this period of kind of washing it away and healing and recharging. And I don't know, there's just something special about the land here. And when you're around people that you share something in common with, like there's a true community, it's a true brotherhood and a sisterhood. So many of us are finding that we, uh, that's been missing in our life, you know? So it's definitely yeah, empowering. Absolutely. Yep. Well, people seem to understand the idea of freedom here generally. And not only that, but that freedom is something worth protecting. I think most people really don't know how to define freedom. They think freedom comes from someone saying they have it or they're allowed to have it. But up here, people know that, you know, freedom is important and that it's worth protecting. And it's a pretty, it seems anyway, like the area, maybe, maybe it's just North Idaho. Uh, it's kind of hands off, which I really appreciate, especially in this county that we're in. We're in a county called Bonner County and it's a little, it's like the wild, wild west. I mean, it's like, you don't even you, need a building you do permit. You got to do. I mean, I can't think of many places where you don't need a building permit. It's pretty cool. You know, I, I heard exactly. someone complaining the other day about how, uh, oh, we built this nice house. And then the person right next door to us had an outhouse and they had to carry water in all the time. And I was like, well, that's cool, you know, because they can do whatever they want on their land, you know. <laughs> yeah. And that, that comes with its own set of challenges for the buyer of a property, <laughs> which we found out this past year, since the previous owners were just doing whatever they wanted to. It was uh, we there's been a lot of surprises regarding the property and the house on it but you know it is what it is we're we're, we're happy to to fix those problems i'm glad that these are our problems put it that way <laughs> now you were a working actor you were living in la la land let's talk about your experience in in hollywood uh maybe you look at it differently now i don't know if you and, and also if you have any regrets or would you have done anything differently well i mean i feel like everything happens for a reason and my path has led me here, so I can't. I don't have any regrets about anything. If I had to do it all over again, I would have never gone to Hollywood. I never would. Have, I never would have gone to college. Wouldn't have gone to graduate school. Wouldn't have gotten in student loan debt. Wouldn't ever pursued a career as an actor at all. So I would have done everything different had I known then what I know now. But you know, it has given me. It's made me who I am. So I can't. It all has worked out exactly right. But I've. I've definitely. It's been a sobering experience. It was certainly a sobering experience around 2017 or 18 when it really became clear that I had to leave Los Angeles and leave my career behind because I didn't know what to do. I mean, I'd been orienting my life since I was four years old towards being a professional actor. And to know that that was no longer the path for me was scary. And it took me a little while to, you know, have the, the balls to actually leave so and yeah and of course now looking back it's all very clear and i'm so really so happy that i'm out of there but you know it was a it was a scary leap to make and good riddance i mean la is a la is a cesspool it's a pit it's a pit of hell where the lost angels are so it's character building but <laughs> Good riddance. Yeah, I, I remember you guys had a meeting with uh, Comedy Central, right? This was years ago, and oh, yeah. they went through your videos. And what did they say to you guys? Uh, it was we met with Comedy Central twice, actually. The first time, and they rejected us both times, obviously. <laughs> but the first time, they said it was too smart. 
for Comedy Central. That was their exact words. It was too smart. They want to dumb down, uh, dumb down comedy, right? Just uh, but look, this is where this is this. I think it's a good snapshot of how, how things have changed in the last few years. I mean, we were pitching a Joy Camp pilot all around Hollywood in 2016. It's only a little over five years ago, and it was almost picked up. But now, cons anything conspiracy is so demonized, we would have no chance. Now, I'm actually really glad it didn't whoops, didn't get picked up when we were pitching it. But the an animosity and anger and intolerance towards, you know, conspiratorial perspective has gotten so bad. But a couple of years ago, it wasn't. I mean, that, that was when Mr. Robot was the most popular show, right? I mean, that's when the guy was winning Emmys for his role as a conspiracy theorist on TV. And we were kind of trying to ride those coattails. Uh, and we almost did. I mean, we had meetings with the biggest agency in Los Angeles, William Morris. We were actually represented by them. They were sending us out to meet with people like Comedy Central and FX and MTV and TBS. And they all watched our pilot, which was, you know, Joy Camp. And they liked it. And now try to get entertainment like that through. I mean, it's just interesting to see how, how things have changed so drastically in the last couple of years. It almost makes you wonder, too, and I hear I'm, I'm familiar with William Morris, too, of course. Um, if, if some of them, <laughs> they're watching those videos and they're like, oh, shoot, this is telling too much. We know about these things. We can't have this come out. Right. <laughs> Sometimes yeah, I well, wonder. They wanted us to change who we, what we did. And that was what, always my concern. I thought that if our show got picked up, they would have creative control and I no longer would, which was a concern because I didn't want to, you know, I didn't, I had integrity. Uh, so they kept wanting us to come back with more ideas. They were like, liked us, they liked the talent that we possessed and our ability to make good content, but they thought, you know, it could be utilized in another direction. And I just wasn't interested in doing anything but Joy Camp. So ultimately it didn't work. And thank God it didn't. But uh, just a, yeah, weird. Weird times. <laughs> yeah, I lived there too, and I had uh, some interesting experiences, to say the least. And and one of the oh, biggest yeah. questions I got, I know this is going to sound anti-Semitic, one of the biggest questions I always got, though, when I worked in music and film production was, are you Jewish? <laughs> and uh, had I have been Jewish, I know that I would have been catapulted to the top and could have done anything I wanted to do there, you know. But I, I, I saw things, I, I saw how things run, I saw how horrible a lot of these people are there, and I wanted nothing to do with it either. I had no desire to be there whatsoever. It really is a sick and deranged yep. place. And I'm surprised you turned out so grounded being born in L.A. because a lot of times there's people that come... They're not born in L.A., but then they come there and then they just get chewed up and <laughs> in every which way and spat out. Right. But most people, most people, even yeah. if they achieve like, you know, celebrity fame, they get chewed up and spit out. I mean, it's a it's a brutal business that has no heart. I mean, that's one of the things I really learned about Hollywood is that it's soulless. It doesn't care about anybody. And it's only there to serve serve agendas. I mean, it's it's, and it took me a while to really accept that because I didn't want to accept it. I wanted to think that there was there could be some integrity within that business, and there simply cannot. Now more than ever, you if you have a contra a contrary opinion, you will not be heard. They will not let you succeed. So it is on lockdown. It is only there to prop up, you know, agendas and propaganda. That's right. Perpetuate propaganda. 
It's a propaganda machine. Now, you come from hippie liberal parents, so I wanted to get your experience, boomer hippie liberal parents. This whole thing, I saw you're, you do a Me Monday show, which you have to tell us about that. But you, the, you got into the in the beginning about Joe Rogan versus some of these boomer hippies like uh, Neil Young and Joni Mitchell. And they were complaining, right, to Spotify. They wanted Spotify to remove all his music because he's pushing vaccine disinfo and all of that, right? Uh, and then they removed their music in protest, which is just uh, completely cringe. Uh, I don't know. Tell, tell us about your I thoughts did, on this. Oh, man. Well, I actually didn't know that Joni Mitchell was on that train. Oh, That's, there's a lot of them. A lot of them. And a lot of Joni Mitchell and I share a birthday. She's like, she's someone I've been, you know, always happy to say I have a birthday with. That's uh, really sad. Not anymore. Not surprising, unfortunately. Um, yeah, what a mess. I mean, well, the, the hippie movement is another one of those things that it helped me kind of understand that you could be that how do i say this i like the anti-establishment aspect of the 60s movement you know when i was a kid and my dad was telling me stories about his time in berkeley and stuff and watching whatever movies documentaries about the time and listening to the music i was really inspired by it and i was really inspired by the anti-establishment aspect only to find out you know in my 20s that all most if not all of what people experienced in that movement was also at least a, a somewhat of a psychological operation uh was also disheartening but you know a good paradigm to crush um but yeah i mean no, no wonder these people are 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 changing like this because they they've always been a part of again another propaganda machine pop music that music all of that has been there in not, I'm trying to, not, I don't want to sound cynical, but it's hard to be mainstream during any era and have, again, integrity and actually be on the, on the side of truth. So those people have been, I mean, Neil Young has been a part of a disinformation campaign since the 60s. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. And yeah, they're all we're anti establishment, but then they're being propped up by the man in the system and the the Hollywood machine and all that. And it is funny how back then, you know, they're Woodstock, it's a free speech, it's anti war, it's all peace and love. And then fast, you know, fighting against the man fast forward to today, it's big pharma and censorship and throw them in prison because they don't want the vaccine. Exactly. I mean, it's really that is such a boomer thing right there. You know? Yeah. One of my favorite memes is this one that's uh, it says the old left versus the new left. And on the 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 old left, it's, a, you know, a Volkswagen van with hippies in it. And it's saying pro free speech and no censorship. Damn the man. And then the new left is do everything you're told. Trust authority. Censor. Censorship is good. All that. And it's just like these two, you know, this is what's happened. That's right. This is how they've controlled. They just used free speech. Mind you know, as a as a weapon to destroy free speech, because at the time they weren't in control. So oh, free speech, free speech. And then once they get control, they crush free speech, you know. But I think Joe yeah. Rogan, I just have to say, I'm not a I'm not a fan of Joe Rogan, but he's making a $100 million for Spotify's contract. So and I heard that the artists are getting they have to get 350 plays to make a dollar. So I don't think they really care about some of those musicians leaving. Honestly. Yeah, I mean, it's just we're just watching i mean i don't know can i say the word shit yes we're watching a shit show it's a shit show i feel like we're watching the collapse of you know society we're just watching it the schism has been the COVID's like the splinter and we're, and we're seeing this fracture now 
and there's no going back. People are, you're either in, not to speak generally, but it's like you either are on the side of illogic, which is trust authority no matter what, or you're thinking. And that's where it, and the, and the, 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 the bridge is hard to uh, gap. The gap is hard to bridge. And <laughs> you, can't, you can't speak logically with people who are thinking illogically. So we, we have this disconnect. It's very strange. It's very strange. And you teach a course that gets into that. So I wanted to kind of get into that about communication. Now it's called parhesia, right? Now tell us what the word parhesia means. I had to look it up because I didn't know this word. Yeah. Well, I, at first I thought it was a bird because I kept seeing a, you have a, a word bird I fell logo. I with a years ago. <laughs> and it literally means free speech. It means to speak boldly or freely. Freedom of speech. So that's why I fell in love with it. It's been lost from our lexicon. It has a Greek origin. Um, but it's a beautiful word. And I can see why it's sort of been lost because it means freedom of speech. Um, so yeah, I mean, I, I, I see the, the tactics at work, divide and conquer. I mean, it's, it is literally the oldest trick in the book. And I refuse to accept that I'm, I, I can't talk to uh, people anymore or have a different opinion than someone anymore and not be able to get along still. So I'm really trying to help people deal with their fractured relationships and help people communicate more effectively with loved ones or strangers or whoever who may be seeing things a little differently and how to handle yourself in conversations or confrontations in a way that won't get you ostracized or labeled, you know, it's fill in the blank, conspiracy theorist, alt-right, crazy, whatever how to avoid those landmines and actually have a constructive conversation. And it's no small task, which is why I had to create a, a whole course about it. But yeah, it's been, a, it's been a really cool thing. It's been going on for now over a year and people really like it. I'm in my third season and it's a, it's a success. Now you gotta give us a little teaser. You, you gotta you gotta share a few tips. Let's say someone has a family member. Let's say they have liberal uh, hippie boomer parents and they wanna have a conversation. They're they're more on our side of things. They've woken up to things. How do they even begin? I mean, because that's a generational gap on top of it, right? And which is different probably than speaking to someone in, in your generation. I don't know. But it's so it's so polarized and so difficult nowadays. For me, I've just given up on on talking to a lot of people that are on the opposite side of the political spectrum because I feel like it's beating a dead horse. You know what I mean? Unless it's old friends or family, I think that that's, that's more important. You know, you have something in common that you can kind of get in there with. But maybe you yeah. can uh, share just a, a few tips for those people because there's a lot of people that are in that situation. Yeah. Well, so this is where some of my very extensive acting training has come in very handy. Because when you, in acting school, you learn that in order to make a performance as a character believable, you have to seem like you're that character. You can't seem like you're lying. You have to be telling the truth, but as a character. So you have to understand that character's motivations. So your first job as an actor is to understand the intentions of the person that you're playing. Understand what motivates them. Understand what their goals are. So I apply that to helping people in conversation. Understand your own motives first. Why are you saying what you're saying? And what's it for? What's your, what's your goal? What's your hope? If you're going to go to a you know, Thanksgiving dinner and try to talk about something controversial, understand why first. So understand your own goals. Are you hoping to just stand up for truth no matter what? Are you hoping to change their mind? Are you hoping that they'll just 
listening to you or hoping they won't think you're crazy, like really understand what motivates you before you embark in some of these difficult conversations. And then once you're in it, once you're in it, okay, every, every conversation, every person is different. So every encounter is going to be slightly different and it's up to you to respond to what you're dealing with. So a lot of it is listening. A lot of it is feeling the person out. And a lot of it is just being subtle and not too emotionally engaged because our emotions can get the better of us. Um, and again, understand your motivation. Are you really trying to change their mind? If that's your motivation to change their mind about a topic, you're probably going to be unsuccessful. So maybe set a more realistic intention. I want to just mention something in a way that they can hear it, that'll spark their interest about this topic and then find your way in. And you can find your way in with a person by appealing to the victim nature in them. We're dealing in a very victimized culture. Everyone feels like they're a victim in some way. That's your in, like that's your in. So enter through that point, the victim part and build a rapport, get them to trust you, show that you care about the same things. This is a lot, but it's important. Build a rapport. They have to know that they can trust you and not just think you're some lunatic. So establish trust, establish rapport that you care about the same things. Then they're gonna be more willing to hear what you have to say. And then if you actually do say something that, you know, is an idea that could lead to bigger understanding and they listen and they hear it and they don't reject it outright immediately. Don't fire hose them with more. This is, this is like the hardest thing for people. People, if someone gives them an inch, they just avalanche all of their <laughs> thoughts about everything onto them without actually reading the room, without letting it's letting themselves see how it's landing. You know, it's, mm -hmm. it's a dance, it's nuanced. So Anyway, it's a lot. I mean, this is a 10 week course. Oh, yeah. I'm yeah. Oh, yeah. You, like, what, what happens? Bits, but what happens if it turns ugly? That you're in a conversation with someone and uh, let's say it's someone, you know, and it just a stranger, you could just walk away, whatever. I just I'm not gonna talk to you. <laughs> like someone that you know, what if it turns ugly that fire hose? Oh, shit. I, you know, pulled out the fire hose and this has gone bad. No. Yeah, you have to be you have to be delicate, especially when it comes to these issues that have been so we they're 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 polarizing they are and people are really they're willing to fight for their ideas for their opinions and you have to be really delicate kids gloves and <laughs> know that your facts don't matter so it's a it's a really interesting time to try to bring perspective into a conversation because there's a thousand landmines in between us uh so yeah i mean it's it's a lot I think the, the primary goal for me with the course is to get people feeling like they're representing themselves well, no matter what. So no matter what the outcome of the encounter, the conversation, the confrontation, the presentation, whatever it is, they feel good about how they handle themselves. And they're not walking away thinking, damn, that could have gone better. Or I should have said this or, oh, if only, you know, she had had this response and I could have said that, you know, so we don't think about how it could have different but we are feeling good about how we conducted ourselves and releasing expectation yep 
I think too, you, you get into is it communicating boldly without self doubt, right? Freeing, freeing your speech. And I have found that for me, that has taken practice, right? And probably for you too, you just life practice, right? You become seasoned as you go and you go through experience and then you're like, oh, that, that's who I am. That's the seed of who I am. That's, uh, this is my voice. This is how I speak. I found my voice and it, it's a, it's a journey. So how do you help, you know, guide someone to, they say, I want to find my voice. I want to have confidence in, in the things that I am yeah. saying. Well, again, this is like a, this is 10 weeks worth of <laughs> tutelage. But so for instance, I actually tonight, my class today, I'm doing a, it's a whole presentation on self-doubt and how to handle it. And basically making the point that yeah, doubt is a killer. Fear is a killer. And I think too many people get hung up on trying to eradicate fear and self-doubt altogether. And I think that's all, I think that's an intention, a goal that is hard to reach. And it can be so hard to reach that you give up on it. So the key is to He's back. Let's see. Yeah. Like I said, it's like, a, this is, this is how rural we are. <laughs> it goes in a cycle. Yes. Every now and then it pops out. The pros and cons. Anyway, you were saying the key is, and then you were cut off. Figures, of course. Well, the key is to not let self-doubt get in your way of taking action. So even if you're nervous, don't let the nerves keep you from doing the things you know you need to do. So I'm helping. So with a self-doubt class like tonight, I'm giving people tips on how to take action in spite of themselves, how to fake it till you make it, essentially. And to and the keys to that are you know, drawing on your own experience, really start with your own experience. What's a time when you were so scared of a moment, but you conquered it anyway. And remember that because you've already done this. This isn't the first time you may have you, nerves will never go away. But if you get in the habit of being able to act in spite of yourself, you may notice at some point the self doubt is gone, but don't make self conquering self doubt the goal. There's workarounds. You know, how to take, how to take nervous energy and turn it into real energy because it's all it is. So how do you take nerves and use them to your advantage? Um, yeah. And remember that every moment comes and goes the, the anxiety, the regret is a worse feeling than having anxiety about a moment that's about to happen. So if you're nervous about the confrontation, the conversation you're going to have, or the thing you that that's right in front of you that you're scared to do, just know that if you don't do it, the regret is a worse feeling than the nervousness, the self-doubt, the anxiety you're feeling before the moment. And I contextualize it. I mean, I get people really thinking about their own successes already because we've all we're all we're all still alive because of a certain level of success. So getting them feeling good about themselves really you know, getting people to like shrug off all the baggage that we build up over time and remember who they are. Yeah, it's about also relaxing and just kind of letting things go. I think we're in a society now that I hear from so many people have panic attacks and anxiety and it's just heightened with all these things going on. I think that they feel things, real physical things, but then there's, you know, spiritual things and then who knows, maybe yep. 5G's even contributing, but people are more anxious than ever and fearful and just they can't it's hard for them to communicate and then they're on their devices all the time and it's these Twitter messages and so uh, the art of communication is 
definitely been lost because people could just shout and then delete and run away. You know, but what you were saying earlier about anxiety, I think that that's that's spoken true in my life or my experience, too. It's the, the anxiety in the first few minutes before something happens is worse than you actually doing the thing once you do it. Right. It's kind of like you have to play mind games with yourself because once you're actually in it, it's not that bad. It's amazing how you right. you fear anxiety. Exactly. <laughs> it's the craziest the, thing. The movie version of reality. The movie. Our imaginations will make things far worse than they actually are. Yeah. Almost and, every single time. You, you, you get hung up thinking about it and you visualize it and you watch it like a movie and you're terrified of that outcome. But then you actually go through it and you're like, oh, that wasn't so bad. Even if it was bad, you're like, well... It wasn't as bad as I thought it was going to be. Um, <laughs> and that's life. That's like everything. Yeah. And then the more you do it, you kind of, you you retrain your brain because I think there's neural pathways that have to be reprogrammed once you're living in this state of fear and panic and anxiety all the time, which by yeah. the way, uh, are, are pe the people in control, they love that because they can manipulate that and steer you and you're in this fight or flight mode all the time and you're not, right. you're not thinking properly, right? Yep. Well, even there, you have, so you have this smartphone addiction on the screen. You mentioned, you know, social media and stuff. I think social media is the reason why we don't know how to communicate anymore. I think that is the linchpin. It's social media. We have forgotten how to communicate and talk to each other because of social media. And I think the powers that be know that. I think is one of the reasons why we've been all geared towards, you know, typed messages. You cannot convey accurately an emotion in a typed message. You don't know your... You're also not experiencing how you're saying is landing on the person. You're not hearing them respond in real time. It's completely disjointed and it's disconnected us from each other. We're more connected than ever, but we're more disconnected than ever. And so the first thing I tell people, if you're going to have a confrontation, if you're going to have a conversation, a difficult conversation where you talk about a difficult subject, don't do it online. Don't ever do it online. Avoid online. Who's ever won an online debate? I mean, a typed online debate, that is. You know, it's, it's, you're just going to waste your energy and you're going to end up not liking the person more too, because you're not, again, you're not going to have the empathetic feel of a conversation. Yeah. So get out from behind the screen and talk to the person in real life. Yeah, it's true. We have all these new problems now because before it used to be, I even thinking in terms of, you know, Republican and Democrat, it used to be people could still go have drinks together. You have friends with different political views. You can go, go out and do things. It's really changed <laughs> like since the, you know, the Facebooks and the Twitters and, and uh, the media just really just spinning things out of control. It is so hard to just be friends with or have a conversation with somebody who is your political opposite. And I think actually it's people more like us that are more willing to have those conversations and branch out and, and be willing to just speak freely. But I find a yeah. lot of the times it's uh, people on the other side of things. <laughs> That are the ones who are just unwilling because they see, you know, articles like we were showing earlier, like just don't talk to conspiracy theorists or just don't talk to a so-called, you know, white supremacist or whatever, insert whatever you want there. You know, it's like they're encouraging yep. people to not do any uh, critical thinking and debate with people or have free and open conversations. I mean, we're living in the time of censorship and banning. You don't like it. Just censor it or ban it and delete it and block it. You know. Yeah. So then how about use your voice to find the people like you, which is kind of the more important thing anyway. How do you use your, utilize your voice in a way that draws the right people to you? Because I think that's ultimately more important. I mean, like I said, this, this society is so fractured now and certain powers at B are going to do everything they can to pull their 
plans through to the end zone. So we have to, you know, make plans accordingly. And that comes from, we solve problems by putting our heads together. So I think, you know, well, there is a, there is, it is important to try to bridge the gap between people you have established relationships and already love, but use your voice in a way that attracts people to you who live near you, who are around you, build a community, have a support system, have a, 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 you know, your own think tank where you can come up with solutions together and make the system obsolete. That's right. Yeah. And you had a video, you said, who is they? And it doesn't really matter who, who they is that is fighting against you because the, the solution is us, right? I mean, I think it's good to identify the captains, but at the end of the day, it's about uh, just non-compliance and saying no and realizing that we do need the, those bigger collective numbers. And I know people in our scene for a long time, you were like that too. We were, oh, we can't be collectivists, right? Uh, for a long time, we were talking like that. Uh, but the term, it was it was shunned by, by many of us. But now we know that we need a lot of good people to Come as a collective or to collectivize to to have influence and in, in power in numbers right absolutely yeah and the more you are surrounded by people that are like you you know not that you need to be on the same page with about every single thing with every person you're around i think that actually gets kind of boring but when you're around people like you you don't feel so alone you don't feel so crazy you feel motivated you feel sane again you feel like things are possible it's good to have friends. So using your voice in a way that can get you new friends and not just hung up on the people that are taking the bait um, is really important because those people taking the bait, while it's it's heartbreakingly frustrating, man, they're the low-hanging fruit. Like they got it bad. I mean, blue, being blue-pilled right now is a pretty horrific, nightmarish scenario and I don't envy them at all. So I'm mad to an extent because it's their compliance that's sort of perpetuating this nonsense but at the same time like they're in hell and mm. i'm not mm. and i'm very grateful for that so i have to disagree with you on one thing i think it's a a whole lot of fun hanging out with people that think like us and i think it's very boring hanging out with people that don't think like us <laughs> every time I, I try and bring in some like you or i mean more like normie tier you know i mean there's a, there's different levels of you know, things that we can have in common and stuff. But anytime I'm like, yeah, sure, I'll give it a shot. I'll hang out with this normie person. I'm always just bored. <laughs> I'm like, I don't need to do this. I have so many friends that are cool to talk with, you know? Wait, wait, I'm sorry. Well, who are you saying is, are boring to hang out with? Oh, people that don't think like us. <laughs> we don't oh, have yeah. anything no, no. in common. I don't like hanging out with them either. <laughs> no, we're on the same page. I don't want to, I mean, that's the thing. Like, have those conversations when you need to have them. If it's like your mom or your, your son or your brother, you know, any of these relationships that you because you care you don't want them to be swallowed up by the system um but to hang out with them oh i mean come on yeah, that's not fun anymore <laughs> i don't want to talk about garbage television or netflix you know, or or the, or the latest <laughs> variant <laughs> omicron i'm pretty sure i just had that by the way and yeah, i'm exactly. still alive still alive i wanted to play one of your videos uh, about freedom, because freedom is a conversation that's been coming up a lot. It's a good question. Many of us are asking like we didn't before. Um, people think freedom is like, you know, good old patriots and, you know, all that kind of stuff. But no, we're we're rethinking what it means to be free these days. But I want to play this uh, good little video that you made. It looks like you shot sure. this in Idaho. <laughs> True. <laughs> is true freedom possible? 
If so, how bad do you want it? Would you work for it? Would you fight for it? Would you lay down your life for it? How important is freedom to you? What if it meant throwing away your television forever, never watching another movie again? What if it meant turning off your cell phone permanently, not temporarily from time to time or now and then? Could you sacrifice text messages? Could you move without GPS? Could you give away everything you own or possess? Could you shut down your computer and never turn it back on? Could you let go of your email and let it stay gone? Could you surrender free shipping from Amazon? What if? What if true freedom were contingent upon you leaving the grid, saying goodbye to electricity and everything that it did, once and for all and back to the land, forgoing career and a 401 plan? Would you do it? Would you go through with it? How far would you go to be free? What is freedom? Is it having sex as much as you want with whoever, whenever, for fun? Or is it refraining and abstaining from sexual urges until marriage when flesh becomes one? Is freedom doing whatever you please, self-serving your interests for pleasure? Or is it achieved through selflessly serving where deeds aren't rewarded with treasures. I'm honestly asking what freedom is and what does it mean to you? Is it government taxation or forced vaccination? Or is it the freedom to choose? <coughs> How do we untangle this knot that we're in? How do we emerge from our fog of subjective morality despotic brutality, imbalance at home and abroad. Freedom literally means not being enslaved by men, women, or ourselves. In my opinion, opinions can enslave us. Habits and routines can as well. Allowances can devour us. Blind spots can bind us. Comforts can keep us in hell. So what is freedom? And how bad do you want it? What path are you willing to take? The one with the pavement and LED streetlights? Or the uncertain one? The dirt one that's narrow alongside the lake? funny Benny because even when you're being serious I still find you funny <laughs> <laughs> that's good. even I though that's I know quality. I'm like yes this is all deep and this is good but I'm still I like I still chuckle <laughs> just cool oh, I, I like that that but, was always one of my one of my strengths as an actor too I mean when I was doing theater for you know 
yeah, over 10 years of my life, no matter what the role was, I'd always be able to get laughs whenever, whatever character I was playing. <laughs> that's why, well, that's why I turned to comedy. I mean, yeah. I was a classically trained theater actor and then I ended up doing sketch comedy. So, but yet what you say work. here is incredibly deep. You know, it, what is freedom? And everyone is rethinking that. And everyone has different answers to that, like you say, too. Is it getting the vaccine? Is it being able to not get the vaccine? You know what I mean? It's just a, it's a matter of who you ask. And a lot of times uh, I wonder, like, if this planet is even meant to be, you know, just peace and love and freedom. It, it's it's hell a lot of the times. And I think that's for a reason. I think, uh well, one, it's about uh, learning to overcome weaknesses and come as close to, to the gauze as we can, I think, through going through the, the, the path, right, on the path through the fire. But for me, I was thinking about this and what, what is freedom for me, and it's really just the simple things, like to be left alone, to have my family and, and do the yeah. work that I love and be with the friends that I love and, and just do the simple things without someone always wanting something from me or trying to control me or trying to manipulate me or force me to do things I don't want to do, you know? Right. Exactly. Well, that, I mean, that poem is an on, it really is an honest contemplation of the word freedom. And yeah, I mean, same thing for me. I think that freedom for me is just being left alone. Like, let <laughs> me, I'll be, let me figure it out myself. And as long as I have a strong moral center and I know when I'm hurting someone or helping someone, uh, I'll be, I, you know, I, I don't need anyone else to make decisions for me. I think that's what freedom means to me being, you know, I like uh, consent based reality. Yeah, exactly. To me, it's not, uh, I guess the Patriot version, I would say they, they think freedom is uh, limited government and still being able to go to your football games without being vaccinated. It, it's a bit deeper for me on those <laughs> questions, you know, I think for yeah. a lot of us. Well, I know yeah, there's a, <laughs> exactly. Well, that's why I'm posing the question because it's been, it's on the line right now and ev people have different interpretations and different ideas and different definitions. And I'm, I've really been contemplating it. Well, what is freedom? What does it mean to me? What does it mean to you? What is, what is it? I know that I don't want anyone else dictating my, you know, making decisions that I can't make for myself or right. thinking that they have a better interest at heart. Like I don't, I'm not cool with that. And it's a, it's a dire time. I've noticed a lot of people are realizing that, this all the stuff with the vaccine and the covid stuff we're seeing the trucker convoy which is great like if we don't put our foot down now it's just going to get far worse and all and then we'll be looking back and remember the freedoms that we had when we can sit and talk about blah 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 you know even that know. even that is going to be gone right yeah they're making it harder and harder i mean it's there, there's no representation this is this is obviously the problem like there is no representation uh, from anyone who has a contradicting point of view in the mainstream. That just doesn't happen anymore. You're not allowed to. If you do, you get demonized. You're discredited. You are, you know, you're, well, you're treated like what they're trying to do with Joe Rogan. Like, I, I'm with you. I'm not the biggest fan of Joe Rogan. But what's happening is obnoxious. Like, he's, he just had a, it was, I think it's because of the Malone interview, right? But yeah, you're not allowed to have any other point of view now. I mean, we're, we're at a place now, literally, I was telling my friend on the phone this today where, I could tell if I got the, if I got the vaccine and then the next day I had Bell's palsy in half my body and I were to tell somebody that who believes in the science and trusts the science and believes the vaccine is a savior, they wouldn't believe me. They'd be like, well, it wasn't the vaccine. I'm like, no, look, look at my face. It's, it's hanging off. It's hanging off my head. I got the vaccine yesterday. They'd be like, 
It's not the vaccine. Like that's where we're at. People think yeah. that Omicron is not that bad because they have three vaccines. Like we're dealing with absolute nonsense. Yeah. I know what wild times. And one of the things that all of us keep talking about as we're seeing where this is going is a community building tribe, building village, uh, building your village, uh, an alternative um, economy, if you will, right? A a parallel structure of some kind, just in case, just in case things start getting bad. Well, they already prepare for the worst. They are. Yeah, exactly. They already are getting bad. And one of those things that's important is parenting and raising kids, which is very is very difficult in these (laughs) in this day and age. I look back and think of when I grew up in Portland, Oregon. I was born in Portland, Oregon, and it was so different. Like I was a teenager running around the streets with my older brother. We could go to grunge shows and there wasn't squatters and these like communists on the street killing cops. And it's like, man, things have changed so fast. You know, I worry about the future for our children. And one of those things that's so important right now is parenting. A lot of people say, oh, it's bad times. You shouldn't have kids. No, in bad times, it's when good people need to have a lot of kids. I think in terms of also my my grandparents and my great-grandparents, you know, fleeing the Bolshevik revolution and stuff, they did it with six, seven kids, you know, and uh, some bad things happened to a couple of them. But thank God that they had all those kids that they did because then they're still alive today, you know, our generation continues. But thinking in terms of kids, you have another baby on the way. So... <laughs> How, how was the first one? Was it a shock for you? Because everyone's always like, I'm having my first baby. And I know the first baby is always more shocking. And everyone always tells me, once you add well, them on, right? The, well, this, after the, the third and the fourth. more shocking than the first. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> first of all, I just want to say I agree with everything you said. I think that the, if, and I say this, I, I say this, I've said this actually in front of crowds when I've given performances about the significance of having kids. And, you know, not to say that having a kid is not for everybody. So that's not what I'm saying. But, if people decide to not have kids because they think the world is too messed up, then I think they're playing right into the hand of the enemy and the, the enemy has them exactly where they want them. Um, Cause show me a time when things aren't challenging. I mean, yeah. that's part of this experience I think is it's, it's you know, we have to persevere and we, there's always going to be evil. There's always going to be adversity and we have to, you know, work around it uh, in spite of it. So I'm all about having kids. I, I don't know how many we'll have, but we have one who's a year and a half and we have another one coming in April. And the first one was planned. I mean, we didn't know exactly when it would happen, but we definitely were uh, open to it happening to our son being born. And the second one was more of a shock, but we are very (laughs) excited now. And yeah, I think having kids is one of the best defenses. One of the best things you can do to counter yeah, the agendas. Uh, and yeah, it's challenging. And I, and I think about it all the time. I think about what it means for me to have a kid and like the selflessness that it's sort of had to bring out in me. And I don't know, I, I've been, it's, it feels like my story is now not as important as his story, my son's story and my, uh, my next son's story. So it's, a, it's been a real, uh, it's, there's been growing pains. I mean, I've been, I've been forced to become more of a man in the past year and a half and that's a good thing but it's also been hard mm. it's it's been again it's like a, it's a it's a ongoing lesson in patience and selflessness and yeah i mean taking it one day at a time and nothing holds up a mirror like 
getting married and having kids. It's a big mirror reflecting at you and you, you see your, your weaknesses, you see your strengths, you know. So if you really are on the, the path, if you will, of, um, you know, self-development, having kids and having a family, having a husband and a wife is definitely going to speed that along. You know, but it's the most well, fulfilling. I can't facility. imagine. I can't. I, it makes so much sense to me. Like it's so obvious that a kid needs a mother and a father. You know, and that's something that our society has definitely tried to make it seem like is you know just a. It can be that way, but it also doesn't have to be that way. And it's actually maybe even better if it's not that way sometimes. And it's ridiculous. Like I think about a healthy family is a mother and a father, and kids, and you because there's a balance. The the man has certain strengths and the woman has certain strengths and certain things that the other one can't do and provide. And it creates this balance for the child that is necessary for their development. Um, yeah. And I also, I also don't understand how anyone would want to have a kid to try to like save a relationship. That to me was just seemed like a death sentence because <laughs> it's a challenging thing for a relationship. I mean, it's certainly, you know, it, it takes your relationship to the next level to a place you can't even really fathom until you experience it. And it really tests your teamwork and tests your ability to navigate through surprising challenges that are popping up all the time. And mm -hmm. it's, uh, I, I couldn't have done it with anybody else. Like I had, it had to be my wife who you're, who, you know, yeah. it had to be her and it couldn't have been anyone else because I couldn't, I wouldn't have been able to handle it with anyone else it has to be your teammate and someone you really love i mean with all your heart absolutely trust. and i love her and you guys are definitely soulmates the other thing it's made me realize i know we're going to wrap up here soon but traditionalism in older times versus now i always say i think when we hear the word traditional or traditional i always say in what era Right? Are we talking about like pre-Christian uh, Viking times? Are we talking about 30s, 40s, 50s, uh, 60s, 80s? It's just—it's very different, and I think it kind of needs a little bit of uh, tweaking or updating right now to to fit our current problems. Because not everyone has the kind of luxuries that they had, let's say, like the 1950s housewife, for instance. We're dealing with new battles and new stuff and new stresses, and and it's a harder time. But the most important thing is having that masculine and that that feminine that that's there for the family and you just kind of naturally fall into some of those roles but it doesn't mean that benny isn't gonna cook a dinner sometimes because i know you're a good cook right <laughs> yeah there's about I mean, yeah you, you 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 scratch each other's back you pick up the slack for the other one sometimes and you find yourself in certain roles and it's okay to not be so married to some of those every i don't know you know it, you find a flow and yeah i mean i think that we're dealing with let me say how do i say this right progressivism like that is the problem progressivism the 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 the, the, the ideology the mindset that everything always needs to change because what's what is or what has been is flawed or outdated or whatever misogynistic homophobic and then we always have to be progressing towards the future which is really just a trick to think for people into uh wanting big government the government will solve all the problems of the previous you know, outdated situation. Nope. It's up to us, as you say. Well, Benny, tell us about all your websites and what you have going on and, and where people can find you and take your course and all of that. Sure. Well, my course is called Parhesia, the art of communication. It's actually in week one right now. Like I'm, I had my introductory prologue presentation last week and my first 
meet and greet workshop with students. But tonight's the first presentation. So if someone's interested who's listening, uh, you can go to the website that's on the screen right now and sign up. Just know that only the standard tier, the least expensive tier is still available. Uh, the other two are sold out. But if you want in, now's a good time because we're just getting started and you won't be behind. And if not, maybe just sign up for my mailing list so you can be in the loop for future seasons. And the easiest way to do that is to watch my meme show. So I do a weekly meme show, meme roundup on my YouTube channel, but it's also my BitChute and my Brighteon and my Odyssey channel where I collect the week's best memes, in my opinion, and present them in a show. And you can sign up for the meme mailing list where I'll send you a link with a zip drive of all the episodes memes that you can use to um, scour the internet, your social media platforms with, because I think that memes are the best thing on social media and they document the times really well. They tell a story very simply and they're uh, funny. So I'm a big fan. So I host a meme show and you can get on my mailing list that way. And yeah, I'm somehow still on YouTube. So is Joy Camp, but I'm also on the other ones as well. I mean, a few of them anyway, BitChute, Brighty on Odyssey. And if you, if that was too much information, just go to bennywills.com. <laughs> awesome. Well, thank you for dropping by. It's always, always a pleasure, friend and neighbor. Yes. <laughs> yeah, so we'll, have to, we'll have you over for dinner soon yep. and you can come Can't to your wait. New house. See the new house. And thank you all for watching and for your continued support. This is only possible because of you. And of course, I think of all of you as extended family and part of our tribe and our village. Remember, you can always find everything at redeyes.tv. No need to use that horrible search engine called Google where you will find just a bunch of trash about us first. So just go to redeyes.tv. It's simple as that, right? Have a great night. See you all next time. Do you love red ice? Want more? Get access to exclusive material by signing up for a red ice membership. You'll be able to watch Weekend Warrior, our flagship show, the second hour of interviews and other special feature videos only for subscribers. Were you a member and we lost you along the way? Renew, we love and appreciate you guys and gals and cannot do this without you. Help us be a sane voice, a lighthouse in the sea of insanity. As times get tougher, as people are searching for answers, they're going to need content like red ice. A little of all your support can go a long way. Thank you.